This is the Gary V Audio Experience. I made a, a video that went pretty viral a couple years ago. Like, I couldn't believe more in like the people aspect of all of this. There's nothing you learn from anybody. I don't give a fuck how hands-on or how much you actually have done. None of it is even remotely close to as ROI positive as like the people you meet, especially. You know, I don't know how young or where you guys are, but like if some of you come back and intern again next year, or work here or somewhere else, if you're lucky enough to get into a place like a VaynerMedia, and there's many, I mean, we have our unique cultures and I think things that are very much an anomaly, but let's just talk about a growing company that's going to be an industry leader. Like, it's crazy to me that some of the people you're working for right now are literally gonna be the CMOs of the biggest companies in the world. Like, people just don't understand how life actually works. And like how actually this all plays out, hey, how this actually plays out is it's going to only be about the people. Like the skills are commoditized. There's a lot of people that are gonna be able to do what you do. But like who you meet and how they play out and like more importantly, because of the uniqueness of our company, who the people that you're working with become like, do you ever see those crazy like documentaries where like Spielberg and Lucas and like fucking you know all those guys like hung out together, right? Or like what I grew up in in Silicon Valley, like I would have dinner and be like Zuckerberg and Travis from Uber, like like there's moments in time and in advertising or communication, if that's what you give a shit about, that moment in time is VaynerMedia people here now. Lots of these people will go on and be the CEOs of agencies or brands or things of that nature and. I could, you know, it might be tough at a young age. You, it might, it's tough at an older age. Like, you may not be extroverted. It might feel weird to say hello, but like, in your last week or what have you, like, as much cafeteria time, as much like hello, as much as you can like muster up, literally high um, I believe in it the most. The high um in the elevator. Like, first of all, we have a good culture. Like, it's less scary to say hello to somebody cold here than other places. I don't think we're perfect and I, you know, but like to me I'd want to legitimately fire anybody who's not gonna be nice unless they're dealing with a real tough issue in their life at that moment where they won't at least say hey. They might be busy or might be shy or you know, might not love to be interpersonal, fine. But it's less scary here to say hello cold in the cafeteria or you know, walking up the stairs in production or whatever. And so, couldn't push you more. If you get anything out of this, like that one random hello that this mustard's out could literally be the whole fucking thing. Just could, just is. Actually, I think that's my advice and we talked about this a little bit in the Vayner Sports stuff. Like that's my advice for when you go back to school. Like probably my favorite talk I've given in the last couple of years was to the, UFC, to the USC football team for many reasons. One, Sam Darnold went on to become the Jets quarterback and so we became friends because of that so that's awesome. But way more was, you know, I speak a lot, I do this a lot and you can always tell when you hit a nerve, there's a moment in that USC football talk where I tell them, I'm like, you guys are fucking idiots. You think you're so cool because you're on the USC football team? Meanwhile, 99% of you, this is the highlight of your life. 99% of you, this is the apex, this is it. Everything after not making the NFL is gonna be downhill and you're walking into these fucking classrooms and 60% of those kids are gonna go on to do real shit and you think you're too fucking cool and you're putting your Beats by Dre on in your fucking hoodie and not looking anybody in the eye and think you're somebody and your life's gonna suck shit for the next 50 years because you didn't say hello to the kids sitting next to you who went on to fucking run Disney. That 
is the best piece of advice I can give you. Like when you go back to school, like say hello to everybody. People, is, people are the ROI of life. So it's cool that you got like better at analytics or like real life experience of talking to a client. Commodity. You would have gotten that at some point anyway. Whether you can do it or not, cool. But like actually becoming friends with each other in here, like actually, not like when the Slack channel dies, like everybody in here can help the other person potentially in a real significant way, you know? 80% of you, especially if you don't get into this company, are gonna have jobs you fucking hate right out of school and the other person's gonna have something they like and they could be the one recommending you in. People. Questions? You can go anywhere, by the way, like very specific to your own shit. Like, please, go anywhere. You talk a lot about being um, self-aware and playing on your strengths. Yes. So then, for you personally, yes. when you don't have a gut instinct for a decision, how do you reach that moment of clarity? That's a great question. One, that doesn't happen very often. And I'll tell you why. It's the same reason if you look at, I don't know how much you guys have consumed of me or not, all my bravado, me cutting people off, like all the things I do, they're very obvious. It's because I only stay in the lane of what I know. I'm not interested in talking about shit I don't know. It, things are very clear to me. Like making a decision about my business, it's what I fucking do, right? So it's not like I'm always in clarity mode. If I don't know, I go through a process. Like if, you know, if Emily is having a, a huge you know, argument with Brian Suh and I need to figure it out and I don't have a feel, because a lot of times I do. 50, 60%, I already have my assumptions and knowledge because I'm interacting with people at scale. I'll just go through the process, right? I'll meet with other people. Like, but like making decisions comes very natural to me, mainly because I'm not scared of the loss. The biggest vulnerability everybody has here is they're worried about somebody else's judgment. The reason there's no moment of clarity is you don't want to jump. You don't want to jump because you're worried if you lose what people are going to say starting with your parents, your friends, your contemporaries. My ability to not truly, truly care about other people's opinions has been the foundation of my happiness. I respect people's opinions. I just, I just don't care about their judgment of me. I have flip-flopped about project management at VaynerMedia like so many times and I don't worry if somebody here is like, make a decision or like, you're stupid or like, what the fuck or why are we always changing? Like, go work at gray advertising. Got it? Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. So, there's a certain level that you obviously see yourself getting to in terms of success. Yes. And anybody going on that path finds a lot of obstacles in its way. Um, and we hear all of you, we, we hear all the things you say on your content and all the advice that you give. But on a personal level, have you ever gotten to an obstacle or challenge that you genuinely thought would be insurmountable? No. You said like, I don't know, no. I don't know where to go from this point. No, because I think the subtlety that people struggle with is, I don't care about buying the jets. I care about trying to buy the jets. I'm in love with the process. My ROI is the process. So, the insurmountable thing is the best part. You know. There's also nothing insurmountable when you really live a life of like, as long as nine people don't die or get you know, diagnosed with terminal death like sentences, everything else is really fucking simple. I, I, 
you know, I couldn't communicate, you know, I have a lot of empathy for the cynicism. Like, like some of you may know this, though most of you haven't had the luxury of getting close to me, but like some that are starting to get close to me or have been very close to me, nobody believes that what they see on video is who I actually am. I mean, just, but that doesn't bother me. Like, like that will eventually be exposed or not. Like people get close to me that I don't have control over their opinion. I mean, Caleb's gonna really, really know me soon. Already really, really does as somebody who consumed a lot of my content. And the Delta's extraordinary. I guess where I'm going with that is nothing's insurmountable. This is just life. Like my fear, my kryptonite is for a long time I feared the shit out of my parents dying. I'm over that hump. Maybe I just got enough time, to be frank. You know, maybe I'm just so grateful to be 42 and have like, I'm pretty in a good spot. Like, I'm just in that place. I mean, I used to really cry about it. To be very frank, I don't know how not to default into gratitude. I don't think anybody has control over me. I never worry about my family. I never worry about the government, the president, any of it. I don't dwell. I just think I'm in control. So how do you feel, what, how, how does something feel insurmountable when you know you're in control, when you know you're in control. I didn't even say thought. Like notice, like that was even interesting to me. When you know you're in control. Like what are you complaining about? Fix it. You don't like the school you're going to and your parents made you go there? Quit. Don't go. What's gonna happen? You're not gonna talk to your parents for two years? Cool. Like you'll then talk to them. Like my biggest thing right now with youth is do what you want because if you're appeasing your parents, you're gonna resent them and be regretful your whole life and then you're not gonna actually have a relationship with your parents. I look at, I spend all my time looking at old people. Not young people. Old people have played. And when old people hate their old parents because they did what their parents wanted, I'm like that's wrong, fuck it. Have the problems now with your parents for 24, 36, 48 months And then, here's the good news, then it's merit. If you were right that you're actually a rapper, not a lawyer, if you became a successful rapper, they're gonna be proud as fuck. If you don't, well then guess what? They were right, at least that you weren't a rapper, maybe you're still not a lawyer, but the merit of the game will play out. Too many people in their youth want both. They wanna claim that their parents are full of shit or this is wrong, but they don't wanna take the jump into what they claim and so you want both. You want to shit on the establishment, but you're not willing to take the risk to prove if you're good enough. Then you're full of shit, not them. Thank you. Yeah, but it's super easy out here once it gets quiet, brother. Once you can't hear anything, it gets super easy out here. Um, what's the number one piece of advice you wish you would have known when you were our age or something that you would have done differently? I probably could have enjoyed my 20s a little more. Like I don't think you guys understand how real my propaganda of my youth is. I did nothing but worked. Like all of you, all of you had more fun this weekend than I had between 18 and 29. That's weird. So I think I went too far the other way. You know? Like an Ibiza or Coachella would have probably been good for me. (laughs) None of that exists for me. You know? And I think, I don't regret it because it's my truth, but in hindsight, like nothing is good when it's out of balance. And like, I was 107. Like, I literally lost all my friends. Like, not out of like loss because I'm a good guy and they're good and it was nice, but like, with, there was no modern technology, there was no smartphone. 
And so like, I just fucking checked out and just worked in a liquor store for a decade without putting up my head. Don't you think that helped get to where you are now? 100%. And do you think if you had spent, you know, the weekend going to Coachella? Well, to answer her question, I used to think that, but now in hindsight, I do think one fucking weekend or even one week in the summer, probably in hindsight, wouldn't have changed the outcome. But at the time, I didn't think that. And so if I would do something different, I would have taken one trip. But I'm talking one trip. Like I worked, you know, retail's weird. I worked weekends. Like when everyone's like, like everyone's here like, oh, what a tough week. I'm like, what if you had to work all day Saturday and that was the most intense day? Because that's what it was in retail. That was the day, right? And, sun, and because I worked like 7 a.m. to like 11 p.m., Sunday was like sleep in. Like I literally woke up at like 10, 30, 11, 12 and like hung out with AJ, you know, and like, like, I, like even like, you know, one of the things I regret is in essence how I treated the two girls I dated the most during that time because it was just literally like checking the box to have companionship because it was just like 100% business, you know? So, but at the same token, the reason I don't talk a lot about that is I think everybody else, all of you, for example, all of you, are way too far in the other delta if you have substantial ambitions. If you don't, that's cool. Like my whole thing always is like if you wanna make 100,000 a year, have great work-life balance, like cool, but like too many kids are talking right now about billionaire and millionaire and crushing it and dominating and just nowhere close to putting in the pieces of training themselves for what it's gonna take. You know, I, I don't think people understand what a 1% life means. It means 1% actions, to your point. You have to sacrifice a lot. And by the way, I don't think that's right. I think it's right for me because it was my calling, it was in my head every minute. You have to be self-aware. But I think part of self-awareness is not to talk shit, you know, about what you're gonna do because then you're putting yourself in a, you've gotta back up your actions. One of the biggest reasons I want kids to talk less shit is because they're putting themselves into a fucking trap. You're talking a big game, everybody heard it, now you feel the social pressure to deliver on it, but you don't have the fucking chops or the willingness or appetite to actually do it. Which I think then just needs one great you know, blog post or video or you know, piece of content that makes you admit that. I don't think you're in a trap, you just have to acknowledge it. So we met AJ last week. And nice. AJ did this? Yeah. For the whole group? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> that makes me happy. Was he talking like old war stories? <laughs> and he, you, you guys have an 11 year age gap. Yes. Me and my brother have an 11 year age nice. gap. Nice. I was wondering, he was kind of mentioning, he was mentioning you and your working relationship and how it's been really good because of your age gap. And I was wondering what's something you've learned from him throughout this whole process? A lot actually. So I I actually would disagree with AJ. I don't think our age gap was the driver. I think empathy and compassion and true love over money is, really. Um, That being said, it probably didn't hurt because it probably allowed him, even though he's competitive and alpha, to maybe concede certain things to me because of how far along I was and where I could re- I really always played the 1A to his 1B for real, unlike the friction my dad and I had where we both tried to be two cooks in a kitchen. So I played both. I know what it looks like to have consensus of partners and not. So I've, I've got a lot of context for it. Uh, AJ taught me a lot actually. and which. Uh, so I think I've evolved quite a bit in being more 
having more radical candor and shooting it straight. I'm so positive that I don't like confrontation and negativity, which I think led to me handling a lot of things wrong in my youth where I wasn't, I would try to like, I feel like if I, I, you know the cliche thing like the girl trying to turn around the bad boy and that's like the kind of boy she likes? I feel like I have that gear too. I feel like I'm always on a charity case or like if somebody's not good enough, like I'm gonna help them or if they work at Vayner, they'll be happier and more successful and I've brought enough shoulders to create that environment because they won't be successful out there without me and I think I misplayed that and I think AJ is a very straight shooter and watching him manage that closely, it, it rubbed off on me. Um, I think AJ also, back to the earlier question, is dramatically more into smelling the roses and enjoying success and having some sort of work-life balance. You know, and I think that rubbed off on me as well a little bit during our time together. Um, uh, you know, another thing that stands out is that really worked and it's probably why I, you know, I wish you guys could feel the way I feel towards you. I was such a whiz kid that I respected AJ from day one. Like just because he was straight out of school, I thought his opinion carried as much weight. And so it wasn't necessarily what he taught me, it was being together, it taught me that that's right. And like, like we accept in sports that you could be LeBron and Kobe, but we don't in business. One of the reasons your internship is allowing you some freedom to do shit. And I know some of you didn't, like, I know there's a delta, some of you did a ton, a ton of shit. You know, I can't control 900 people every second. Uh, but why, why there's a culture more here of like, compared to some of your friends who are like, really, you're doing shit? Like, I'm fucking like, just sitting here like, fucking playing on fucking, you know, who the fuck? Anyway, um, <laughs> is because of that respect for, maybe you're good enough to run my company right now. Like, talent is talent. Uh, and so, but candor, smelling roses, stand out. Um, since you're constantly filming and releasing new content and it's always so positive and inspiring, does anything ever happen in your home or work life that like puts you in a funk and you have to like pull yourself out of it to like keep filming and like spreading your message? I would never, I would never film if I wasn't in the right place. I don't power through. Um, there's, I mean, you couldn't wrap your head around how much bad shit happens every day to me and this company and like, that's, that's actually the job. My job is eating shit. You know, like, everything's on me, ultimately, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, of course I get into funks, you know? Um, but I have tremendous perspective and like, my, like, I have no sustained funk. Like, even the thought of like, a day is out of question. Like a full day of being in a funk is just not gonna happen. It just can't. Like, there's just nothing that can happen that makes me change my mindset of like, how good we have it. I mean, if you actually understand, all of you, I don't know anything about you enough to know this, but just looking around the room, the fact that you're sitting in a building in New York City, in America, and have an internship here, you would probably shit your pants if you, if there was a world ranking on quality of life, happiness, like just net score of where do you rank on earth. Like a new system came out, it took everything into account. It brain scanned you for happiness, depression, all of it. What is your net rank in the world? You would be humbled by how good your life is. I don't think you have a perspective 
I don't think anybody does, and I'm not even sure I do, I just try my best to think about this kind of almost daily. Where do you rank out of 7.7 billion people? The answer for a lot of you is outrageously high. If you're a white dude in here, and your family has any kind of financial security, you're in outer space. Outer fucking space. That's humbling. And then for me, that's kind of like the data, but then again, what isn't taken into account at all in society is like, cool, you're a white dude with a family, that's, like, to me, having too much is the, is the really the other play. Like, what we don't have is a read on people's mental health, right? And so I know I have that too, so now I'm just like, you know? I can't get into a funk, it's almost inappropriate. You know? Not that I force it, it's just become me, you know? How many of you work out pretty religiously. Think about when you didn't, think about when you started, and think about how now it feels completely foreign not to. That's what I do mentally. Like, just fucking contextualize your problem. And let me give you a really good piece of advice. Pay very close attention to who's listening to you complain. It's a very important tell. Like, I would shit on you if you complained to me. So pay close attention because when it's your mom or it's another friend that complains all the time, you're in a bad system. In terms of um, like judgments and criticism, where's the line of taking something as constructive criticism and something, and then just on the other side being like going with your gut and to them. I'd like you to be a hell of a lot more closer to glowing with your gut and not listening to them. Especially at this age. At this age, you kind of almost have to see it through to see how right or wrong you are. There's more upside in you figuring out if you're right or wrong. You can always take everybody's feedback in your 30s. You know? Look, most people are just gonna make assumptions just based on your age. They're just giving you feedback for the sake of feedback because you're 20 something. Now, if it's something like math and it's black and white and you get to the wrong answer, they were right. <laughs> like, like, you know, but like, but like the people here in analytics and media, like that's like math. And like you could fucking have any ego you want, but if like it played out wrong, you lost, which is what's great about it. It's very like black and white. But all the other stuff is very gray and becomes very subjective. The great foundation of my life is being undereducated. It really works for me. Just don't, just don't have that gear of seeing the world the same way. Um, do you ever get stressed? I almost wonder if like what ended up happening was, you know, when you're a 22 year old kid and you walk into a family business and you explode it in year one and now from day there on at 23, you're the foundation of the financial success of your entire family and you're the emotional pillar of your family along with your mother. So you're both financially and emotionally responsible for everything you love at 23. You almost go into the other place. I almost feel like I've been in, in stress in perpetuity that it's become happiness. 
don't know what else to say, you know? I don't feel stress. I don't judge myself. I feel like I'm trying, I know what my intent is. I feel like I'm trying really hard and like, my big thing is like, before you say something to me, like, why don't you look at yourself? Like, it's really hard for me to get going. Like, you know, like, man, would I love for all of you to be empowered with like, when your parents say something, to call them out on them doing the same thing. That's what parents do. They impose their thing on you. Your mom is doing what her mom did to her, even though she hated that her mom did it to her. It's how humans work. Uh, Anyway, probably. But it just doesn't affect you? I'm a big fan of like sleeping in the bed that you've made. I got big ambitions. I'm trying to be out here doing shit. Well, guess what? Nobody should be crying for me. And so I can't complain. I'm fucking putting myself out there, right? Like, I'm putting myself out there. I don't have to say yes to the interviews. I don't have to fucking be filming my fucking self 24 hours a day. I made this bed. I gotta sleep in it. Everything that comes along with it. And if I do something fucking stupid or wrong and I get called out on it, I need to own that shit. And I'm okay with that because I don't think I'm perfect. I'm just trying to stay narrow. (laughs) Narrow is my thing. You know, stay in my lane. You know, so I don't talk, you know, a lot of people are like, you don't talk about politics. I'm like, I want to do homework on it. I don't want to just shoot my opinion. It's like, like, you know, I've got opinions, but like now, like I just think about all those things or about anything, anything. I need to be thoughtful. I stay very narrow. Chess, two moves. I do so many things that are actually setting up something else. But I get scrutinized, judged, or viewed on the first move. A jab isn't trying to knock somebody out in a fight. I'm really good at jabbing. I'm really thoughtful, I'm playing long game. Um, So I'm on the people and experience team and I've had uh, some time to look into like exit interview trends. Um, And I'd love to hear from your perspective, like when you read what someone had to say about what it was like to work here and work for you, What's the best thing and the worst thing that someone's ever said? I mean, in the most extremes, it's like, I'm devastated I'm leaving. It's because of some outrageous circumstance, like my parents are sick or my significant other's getting transferred and like, this is breaking my heart and soul. I wanna work here forever. And in the other direction is, this whole thing is full of shit. You're full of shit, fuck you. Uh, I've been undermined. All you, you're completely full of shit. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're full of shit. Those are the best and worst. Um, yeah, it's super tough. But what what ends up happening back to stress or this and that? It's I have empathy. Uh, by the way, they might be right. Like I'm not crippled by the fact that three people right now could be terrible and like serendipitously got teamed up, created a triangle of terror, and I haven't been able to like weed it out yet. The best part is though. I don't want that. Look, you were in the meeting where I literally told the entire team, like, from now on, anytime somebody's crying somewhere, I need to know on the moment it happens. You saw it, not for show, for the intern, you were in the meeting. That's who I am. Like, like, so like, I sleep well at night. Triangle of terror and somebody says I'm a piece of shit and this is all a facade, I can live with that because I understand that could be true. Four offices, 900 people, even though I'm on the pulse of every minute, I'm trying out here, but like, I'm not fucking, you know, like omnipresent. You know, and so, so I just feel great with my intent and my efforts. 
I know I'm not making financial decisions, like 99.9%. Of course I am because we have to make payroll, but I'm not trying to like maximize profits so I can buy a helicopter and feel good about myself. And so like I just know I'm way ahead of everything else. Um, and I read all that stuff, I read every one of those. You know, I get them right away, I fucking read. Talk about, I don't read shit, I read every word. I try to synthesize it, I email every one of them, which is why we have their non-Vayner email. I try to you know, uh, like let them know that I'm here for them in perpetuity. If anybody ever works at Vayner, for you guys. Just being an intern. If I can help you in 19 years, you email me, be like, I was an intern in fucking 2018. And, and like, you know, like now my aunt wants to be at this thing. You know, I don't give a fuck. Like just feel free to reach out. And so intent trumps a lot. You have to execute on your intent. You know, a lot of my closest friends kind of scrutinize, like, intent, intent. You could intend to be a good guy, but shoot somebody with a gun. And then I'm like, I get it. But usually intent maps to your actions. Um, and so. Where do you draw inspiration from? When you started Vayner, and then also as you make your decisions currently? I want legacy. It's very insular. It's not from somebody else. You know, my inspiration is, I'm aware that something really good happened when I was produced and I want to see it through. I think I owe it to my parents. I think I owe it to, I'm just very driven by gratitude. I'm very inspired by it. I know good things happen mentally. Really this, you know? And uh, I need to see it through. I, I, you know, there's a curiosity of how big can this be that really fucks with me in a good way. Like I really, really, really think I'm gonna be Oprah. <laughs> like for real. Which is amazing. Like a singular individual for a moment in time. You know, it's really interesting too to me. Like, and I think about psycho, like I analyze a lot of things. I'm like, if I'm right and this happens in nine years, it's gonna be an interesting time. Like in a world where like white dudes are like demonized and things of that nature, like is it important then? Like I think about t- like, the fact that I'm penetrating 15 to 25 year old dudes and I'm pushing empathy and kindness, like is this all meant to be, you know, I get into that. I definitely do, I'm like, I'm such an alpha male, yet like what I preach is so traditionally soft. And like, you, I get to live my life. Like I get to be like in an airport and see like a hood dude roll up to me and be like, yo, gratitude dog. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, it's fun. It's like I'm seeing the piece, I'm seeing the puzzle come together while being unbelievably comfortable in my capitalistic, you know, ambition. You know, I think I'm a very funny read, even to my, I, as I read myself, it's like, I've got all this underlining stuff, but the thing that most people know is like, he wants to buy the Jets, which is very like, douchey, and like, I, the whole thing's super interesting to me, and I'm always like, am I sandbagging everybody? Like, is that what I put out? Like, is that why I speak that way? Like, why is it that they like me more as they get closer, not for, like, it's all very interesting to me. I see my patterns. It's the underdog thing, you know, like why will I turn on like a golf match, give a fuck, but like whoever's the underdog, that's who I'm for. Like fucking Mac Conference college basketball game at night, turn on underdog, right? Like Kobe, hate him, last season, washed up, love him. Like I'm very like, am I doing that to myself? Like do I like the fact that everybody in the ad world, like ad age never covers us. They covered us today about fucking, I'm bartering for snacks. That's a dig, that's a raz. But like I love that. Like I need that. I'm driven by being underestimated. And then I think, oh shit, I must be sandbagging myself. My team gets so mad at me, they're like, why don't you talk about being smart? You know, like I talk about working hard. 
my propaganda is like my selfie at four in the morning looking like shit on the way to the airport. It's not my thoughtfulness of like 20 years of being right about a ton of shit. So I don't know, like it's fun to analyze myself for myself, um, but I try not to do it too much because I'm always worried of like becoming a caricature of myself, which I think is a very dangerous move. And so that's why I rely so much on intuition because I don't even want to allow myself to think too much because I don't want to, right? I speak my truth. You've, you saw that day with like the MLB. and like I will always speak my truth. And I'll curse and I'll dress down and I'll let the world come to me. Got it? The world came to me. When I was your age, this, everything I've done was unacceptable. Bad at school, casual, dress for respect, cursing at scale in public, all unacceptable. Still kind of weirdly unacceptable, but a lot less than it was. How does, how does ego tie into success? It doesn't, it's the great vulnerability. Ego is just a dress for insecurity. Ego is very different than confidence. Ego is the manifestation of insecurity. I'm very confident, but not blindly, you know? And I also, like, I said something once, somebody tweeted about it this weekend, and it really is my biggest truth. I genuinely think I'm gonna be all-time special. Like, I live my life as in, like, what kind of statues are they gonna put up? I'm being dead fucking serious. At the same token, I equally believe like the day I die, it could be a non-event or I'll get like 24 hours on social and people tell their stories of what I did for them and then it's over. So having like this hardcore push and pull of like being all time and insignificant at the same time is a balance that's super important and I don't think ego allows you to do that. Ego is I'm insecure, let me peacock and make pretend. It's bullying. I fucking hate it. What has working with Ryan and Mary Kate um, given you? Like, what have they opened your eyes to? Um, well, first, it's given me like enormous ambition for the kind of companies I want to buy, because their working relationship is tremendous. Like, just kindness and cute and nice and perfect, like real good. Um, I haven't spent a lot of time really digging in, like. The publishing world I had a sense for, it's not that lateral. To me it's just um, watching a good kindness leadership team. I, uh, Ryan is, I would argue, is a byproduct of how I think about the world. Like my ambition is that more CEOs are like Ryan. Um, caring but alpha and all that. But nothing stands out. I haven't spent that much time with them either. Um, and uh, that, that's just the truth, there's nothing, you know. I don't want to say nothing because I don't want them to have their feelings hurt, but it's pretty close to nothing so far. Um, obviously, all of us are very invested in social media these days. That's like the biggest thing. And I feel like a lot of what you say is not letting other people's opinions affect you too much. And I know, I'm sure in your comment section, it blows up <laughs> all the time, both positive and negative. So does that ever you know, get to you in a way? And, and I know sometimes you do respond. So. What's the, the mindset there? Why do I respond? Yeah, to, to people who have negative things. Serendipity, like I'm in a mood. You know, like, just like, I just, truthfully I think it's funny. I think it's funny, I just think it's funny to like pick some, first of all, what I love that I do is a lot of people razz on people but they'll like dark out their account. Like I just, 
I'm like, look, if you're publicly saying this, I'm gonna publicly put you on blast. I think that's funny. Um, uh, not much. Like, like I listen, here's where I'm at. Who the fuck has time to watch 87 hours of my content to have a better feel of who I actually am so that they're grounded in a good opinion? And I know what I'm putting out there. Like, if you just see one fucking video on Instagram and I'm acting confident and peacocking because I'm pissed about somebody who's being a bully but it looks like I'm being a bully because I'm cursing and being alpha, like, that's it. It's all you need. Like, if you brought up in a household where cursing was bad, you don't like me. If you like, first of all, everybody in the advertising industry that's living in the old world by default has to be worried about me and doesn't like me. Like, I have empathy to why somebody, or ultimately why people, guys, think about the makeup, the mental makeup of somebody who takes time out of their life to leave a negative comment about somebody else. Do you know how sad I feel for them? In the history of my life, to the day I go in the grave, I would never do that. Why? It's a complete waste of time. I'm in a place where I need to comment negatively and try to tear somebody down with my three minutes. First of all, you have to consume the content to get a thought. Second, you have to like have that in you that you think that's a good idea. Do you know how much pain you're in when you leave a negative comment? Do you know how fucked up you are, macro? I'm never worried about anybody who's dragging people down. They're weak as fuck. And most people think they're strong because they're loud and mean. They're so weak. You started when you were 14, you kept going, you worked really hard, obviously, but you didn't go to school, you did shitty. When you were in high school, you, all this stuff, you don't like reading, you don't like writing. How do you prove merit? Not uh, you personally, and how, when you were younger, how would we prove our You don't. Merit? Dude, I got shit on like shit. When I, you don't. Merit only gets proven on the field. Like, if you spent as much time thinking about how to gain respect into putting all that energy into actually executing to get the respect, you'd be in a totally different place. I didn't, I just took my punches. Dude, the level of judgment I had at your age, I was going to Mount Ida College which literally went out of business this year. (laughs) I went to Mount Ida College which nobody had ever heard of and still haven't. I worked at my dad's liquor store at this point in my life. Getting into any argument that I'm gonna be good or just didn't even cross my mind. I just worked and got better at my craft. You're spending too much time justifying instead of executing. You're having arguments with yourself first, then your parents, then the people closest to you. Don't, just go do. You're literally debating the outcome of a game in the national anthem part. You're just, you're, you're worried, you're just, you're valuing other people's opinions. Don't. You have to earn it. You haven't earned shit yet. Like get, you could be a prospect. A lot of first picks overall fucking suck. So, I don't, you know, way too much like a social commentary and fucking pontificating about something that hasn't happened yet. And like listening to somebody else's playbook is ridiculous, especially somebody who played it 25 or 35 years ago. Your parents' opinion is stunningly bad. 
they're awesome. Like I have no, or maybe they're terrible, I don't know. But nonetheless, it's completely not practical. They're utterly incapable of projecting the context of the playing field that you're playing in. And like, the biggest fear I have is that half of you are gonna pander to it because they're gonna financially subsidize your opening act. You're pandering to it because you want a better apartment out the gate and so parents are gonna pay for it. Thus you feel a subconscious need to appease them in the short term. See, this is not just a parent's game. That's what's fun to think. This is fucking you. There's a really great way to like eliminate your parents' leverage. Get off their payroll. I don't agree with my parents about anything or everything. I never even fucking value their opinion enough. I got off their payroll and fucking put them on my payroll. <laughs> you know? And not really, because you know, I think that's a little douchey, but like, I came in the game and fucking right away contributed and paid them back for everything they've ever done for me. It was just never in that place. The bit, you know, it's real fun in here, like ha ha, and everybody who's gonna watch of like shitting on your parents until you realize you're fucking full of shit. You should. You should have no respect until you actually execute it. You could have rating point. You could again back to sports. It's good. You could have a reputation, but like first of all, your entire academic career is horseshit compared to what you're about to go into. You could give a fuck about what you've done in school. It's got zero mapping to the reality of what you're about to do. So that's one. And then two, get off their payroll. Fake environments, and they want you on their payroll if they can afford it, because then they have control. Then you can do the things that makes them feel good to say to their friends. You want to be happy, get off your parents' payroll. It's much more fun to take the subway and have three shitty roommates than to be psychologically controlled by your parents. Fuck, I like that, Caleb. That's the clip right there. No, really, I, like that's the first time I've said it that way, that really makes sense to me. That's the biggest issue right now. Everyone's posturing. What did you do to gain emotional intelligence and self-awareness? I don't know, man. Like, my mom has it, so I took her DNA. She gave it to me, so that's good. Uh, you know, I think, I think adversity is the foundation of success. And I think my whole childhood was, had adversity. I didn't speak the language. I wasn't physically a menace. I, uh, you know, I was terrible at school. Like, I feel like by the time I kind of like hit the game, <laughs> it was all upside. Like, the reason I couldn't hear anybody anymore was because what they were saying wasn't super interesting. So I said, "Fuck it." I'll just. But I. But even you know what's funny? I'm painting a false picture. It never bothered me. I do think there was a little bit of a natural emotional intelligence foundation there. But I will say practice, like I do believe in that. I definitely have evolved. I'm struggling to deconstruct it, and which is why I don't talk about it a lot. But like I do think I've said one or two things here that maybe helped one or two of you. Like I think if you literally repeated like living in a shitty apartment with three people I hate and taking the subway is better than being emotionally controlled by my parents may make you not take unlimited Uber from your parents when you get out of school. No thank you. I don't know, I think that's cool.
accountability is really attractive. How would you say you balance like your work family life? Uh, intuitively and specifically, meaning I don't judge myself. So like if I miss my daughter's recital because Kraft wants to give us $10 million, I'm gonna miss it and I'm, I don't give a fuck. Meaning, I don't give a fuck of people judging me on what the current state of proper, politically correct parenting is because like, I don't know, I love my dad with all my heart and didn't see him the first 15 years of my life. There's a million ways to do it. And I, my intent is there. I always try to make everything, you know? Um, but then purposefully, like I'm really excited that I'm taking these three weeks off in August every year, it worked. Like the world checks out these kind of two weeks, three weeks in August and in Christmas and I'm hacking and I'm always thinking about new things and just trying to find new ways to spend more time and you know, felt like I was winning and then felt I needed a little extra boost so started doing like half day Friday, not half day but like half day, six, getting home at 6 p.m. on Friday, <laughs> my half day. Um, just trying, you know? Just trying, trying to communicate with more and more, which I think is something we've gotten a little bit better at in the last half year. Effort. Um, here's what happens if you listen to this whole talk. When you actually don't value anybody else's opinion but your own, then you just spend all your time on trying to make the things you believe in better. One last question. If you don't care about anybody's opinion, that's the last question, it becomes much easier to ask. <laughs> Yes. I still, I still have two more years of school left. Okay. Like, even though, like, being here, I've learned, like, I think how to be a better person, like, working hard, like, have, like, gained ambition, but do you have any advice on, like, what I should work on in school? Like, any hard skills that you would value while in there? Not, not, uh, that's, I think that's a great question for a lot of other people. That just doesn't come natural to me. Okay. Like, what? Like, every piece of information's literally on your phone. And then like learning process. Every organization has its own process. You'll learn more in the first week of wherever the fuck you go than you will. Like, listen, I'm not trying to shit on school. Like, it, especially, cause I think people like, look, if, if you guys wanna work at Boston Consulting in this building, you better fucking get your grades up, go to grad school, go to fucking Stanford or Harvard. That's how you get into McKinsey, right? If you wanna be a doctor, like you need to learn the craft. But like for most of us, if, I mean, my biggest piece of advice is to meet as many people and make significant relationships, like friends, like for real, and enjoy the last vacation that looks like this in your life. It's a fucking vacation. Like I would enjoy it. Like so many of you are gonna stress out your last two years thinking it's gonna be an indicator to your life. Just don't fail out. <laughs> That's my rally cry. <laughs> Just don't fail. Like, if you really think in 2018 that your grade point average swing of one or two points, let, let alone point something, have any indication on how your life is gonna play out, you're fucking lost. Like, skip a class and like go like listen to a reading by somebody at the Barnes and Nobles while they're still open an hour away, you know? Yeah, just don't fail out.
Like I don't like. What do you think? You're, like help me. Like educate me. Like what are you learning in class that you think is real? Like what I'm learning is so outdated, especially like even like week one, like you said, like with all my media professors, and like I feel like that applies like 10, 20 years ago. It's like not current. Yeah. They made me memorize a graph. I like I like the people experience of college a lot. Of course, it's fun as fuck. Yeah, I like like being with people that are my age. Of course. People that understand. Me too, but guess what else you can do with 40,000? You can go to every single fucking music festival on earth. (laughs) Like, Like this whole notion of propaganda of like, but it's the people? Sure, why don't you give me back the fucking 40K? And why don't I fucking go to Coachella and Ibiza and to fucking Australia? Like, you can hang out with kids your age in perpetuity. That fucking, that last fucking frontier that college is fucking trying to sell everybody on, like, but you grow up and you get to be with your people and you meet lifelong friends, like, give me 40K, I'll fucking make it way better for you. You know how much more fun it is to go to like the Dominican Republic, 4,000 people deep for 3,000 bucks for a week? You can do so, like, that, they're gonna lose that game. Somebody, like, I may do it myself. Some entrepreneur, sure he's gonna come along and start a company and be like, yeah, cool, let me, let me, let me set this up. Or like what WeWork and some of these co-working spaces are doing, they're just setting up, like, the campus replication is super easy. And a hell of a lot more, like, you could learn a lot more, like, let me send all of you, like, 150 deep to Paris, to France, to work a harvest in the vineyards, and, like every three days go into Paris and just like, fuck, I'm with you, I agree. But that is the last reason that college should stay up and be able to do the bullshit they're doing. And right now it's the leading fucking ROI. You can play Fortnite together somewhere else. (laughs) Give me 40K each and I'll fucking have you playing with Ninja every night. It's so fucked, bro. But that being said, I'm on an ideological execution now. You're in it, you're not going anywhere. So to that point, make it more than seven people that are your friends. To your point, everyone's like, I love that. I'm like, you have nine friends. <laughs> like you really wanna take advantage of like, oh it's awesome campus life, like culture we can get, like serendipity, like then do something about it. Instead of what everyone's doing which is in your fucking click of six. Like really fucking break that. Like that was always the best thing that I had. I had like nine different friend groups that like made no sense, that like never let me get popular enough and like was very weird and like what the, like people were so confused by me. Best thing I did. Um, since we're like people everywhere spending like $200,000 for four years of college, <laughs> do you think that's How many of you are collecting debt for college? Tell the truth, it's okay, just curious. That to me is like the thing that I'm spending my whole life trying to think, figure out. Go ahead. Do you think it's gonna like die out or change? Like yeah. People, yeah, college is new. Guys, college is fucking new. In 1940, which is five minutes ago, not everybody's fucking dream was to go to college. What do you think that's gonna happen? I don't know, but I know it's in trouble, you know? Like this conversation was not happening 10 years ago. When the economy collapses on the back of all the college debt that all of you are incurring and everybody blames the racket of college for it, 
it'll be like banks or other things. The brand will be so bad, the conversation will change. And I do believe that you will be the generation of parents that don't force your kids to go to college. So I think 30? I think Stanford, Harvard, I think the top 17 will be able to hold on a little bit longer just on brand. But I think the really good schools, like the state schools, like kind of that upper middle, I think they're very vulnerable. Michigan's an amazingly good school, but collecting 200,000 in debt with that interest rate for a good solid Michigan degree in the real life the day after, no way. Yeah. Do you have time for one more? Mm-hmm. So you talked about like kind of blocking out opinions and like you don't really like, you respect them but you kind of like put it to the side or disregard it. Like, I, res- I, try to, I try to filter it and try to understand. First of all, pay attention to who's giving you the advice. What's their KPI? Like why are they doing it? Go ahead. Well, I guess that kind of like addresses it. But I was gonna say like, doesn't that kind of let your ego take like the wheel and kind of like where's like the humility and like how do you self-reflect like say maybe they're right maybe like I could improve you'll love this I don't think I'm right he gives me his opinion I do something else I don't necessarily think I'm right I just would rather die on my own sword right like (laughs) that makes sense right like I don't know like actually I think it's enormous humility it's because I don't value my own opinion, why would I value yours? But I'm gonna do what I wanna do because if it's wrong, it's much more fun to blame myself than to blame you. Guys, when it ends up being wrong, you're gonna blame your parents and then that gets really ugly. So I think it's about accountability and humility. I don't value your opinion because I don't value mine, I'm gonna do me and when I lose, I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. And when it works, I'm like, yeah. Make sense? Yeah. Right? That's where it comes down to. I think it's actually the reverse. You know, it's all these things look, are the reverse. You know, it looks like ego. It's actually massive humility. I don't even value my own. So you're valuing yours, but then you're valuing someone else's. I don't value either. And just go. And then, like, deal with it after the fact. And when you know your intent's good, like, I just want to be happy. Don't you want to be happy? Like, happy is not about money or awards or recognition. It's about just knowing yourself. Guys, I'm cool. If you thought that I thought the apex of my coolness was gonna be at 42, you've got another thing coming. Like, there was no indication that entrepreneurship was gonna be cool. There was no fucking scenario that I thought would be DMing me yesterday. That doesn't, that doesn't play out in the way that I saw a businessman playing out. I just stayed fucking true the whole time and then it fucking worked out. 